listening to the Enneagram and Marriage Podcast. I'm your host, Krista Harden, and today we're talking about using the Enneagram to prevent affairs. It's almost daunting to think about using just one personality type measure to talk about something that's a really big issue and has been since the beginning of time in marriages. And so that's why I think you'll be glad to hear that I'm not going to address it just from an Enneagram standpoint because I want to clear up right away that there have been studies done on the Enneagram. And one I'm going to name here is resonating personality types for couples and Enneagram application for predicting marital satisfaction. Just to help you to understand as we get into the episode that we've really looked at as therapists. I know I've done research here. I know that so many people, piles upon piles of people have done couples research since the beginning of time. And recent research is finding that Enneagram is a really great personality test, but it does not account for preventing affairs just by knowing each other's types. Even different pairings have been studied, maybe the same types we've looked at, maybe people that had the same stress and health arrows, maybe the wings, and none of it really lines up to be that it's going to prevent an affair. So it's really important that you enjoy your work, that you do your work, that you grow. But more to research and where we're looking at now with Enneagram is that as people get healthier within their own dynamics of stress and health, their marriages, aha, become healthier. In this focus, in this practice that I have, I really try to always tell people my unique marriage angle, aside from Enneagram and marriage, is self-care because it's so important to the health of the relationship. If you're taking great care of yourselves, you're not gonna have as much marriage stress. You're not gonna feel that need to step out on somebody because you're getting your needs met by you and by God. And you're also asking your spouse to meet some of those too, and that's the work I focus on here with you by and large. But I always remind people that those other elements are so important, that emotional, spiritual, and physical self-care. I also want to say as a precursor to this episode that it's so great that you're listening. You want to prevent affairs. This is amazing. You're not only going to bless yourselves and each other, you're also going to bless your children because we have a lot of studies that tell us that the best situations for kids when they come out of affairs is that they really do know that it was wrong. So it's really important that if you've been covering it with kids or trying to tell them that it's okay, that you understand they're not going to have success in life if you're covering for your own stuff because you're not doing your own work. Doing your own work means that you're not going to be having an affair. It just does not go together. You're putting a Band-Aid on your own work for a while and saying, ah, this feels really good. It's covering up this wound. It's unsightly. I don't like looking at it every day, even though it's there and it's not going away. And it's actually festering. So, ew, that's such a gross analogy. And as a seven, I would love to avoid this topic altogether because it's so important. We are covering it and we are going to the depths. So, but not just any gram depth. So, suffice it to say, we're going to be pulling from lots of other sources. I'm going to be talking about John Gottman and his extensive research and the Cheaters Cascade and other research as well because there's been so many studies done, and this is a great thing, on how we can help couples to prevent affairs. Maybe you've already been through one and you want to avoid a future affair. Maybe you're in a first marriage or a second marriage, and you just really want to make sure this relationship stays as healthy as possible. 
That's what I want for you too. But I also know that sometimes you're listening because you've already walked through a painful journey and you're not through that yet. So I'm really excited to say that next week we are going to be talking about recovering from affairs using the Enneagram. So we're going to be talking about it all. And next week we'll be going type by type a little bit more deeply as I continue to delve in and research with so many of you. And I'm so thankful for all the research you've been doing with me at the Instagram Enneagram and Marriage as well because we are truly getting to the bottom of some of your issues with infidelity and how you're doing and what's helping you to recover as well as where you're still stuck. Before we move ahead, I want you to take a moment to recommend this podcast to somebody. If you are listening and you can go to the link that tells you how to share it, I would be so grateful because I have worked really hard for this episode, and if you know somebody who's dealing with cheating or who has, I think that it could be very helpful for them to have some additional tools, and I'd love to be that for them. So pass it on, and I hope it blesses you too. So let's get talking. Wow, guys, this is such a big time and culture, and I have to be honest, I've heard from a few more people dealing with infidelity even right now in the quarantine time because, you know, there's that book, Love in the Time of Cholera, Love in the Time of Quarantine. People are a little more confused, a little more stressed. We've already talked about the research behind that. Marriages are not quite as happy as they were in many cases, but not all. And the reason for that in many cases is people are tapped out into their cell phone usage. So go back and listen to our technology episode and our routine episode if you need to get back into some important healthy marriage routines. Listen to our anniversary celebrations episode if you have not been taking time to really celebrate each other because I know this time is challenging, but I also want to just be raw and real and tell you this is a time when I've actually seen couples go down all the way and think about losing their relationship. But the great news is I haven't seen anybody give up. I've seen people just slide down and call me right then and say, hey, we don't know you. Will you help us? I've seen people who have been sliding down already starting to move back up. And I've actually seen other couples get healthier. So I don't want you to think that everyone's gotten less healthy because some have actually gotten healthier. And I was having a session like that with a couple the other day and we were just fathoming it because some of the people I know like Olivia have gotten these amazing breakthroughs or some of my clients have bought houses. They've gotten back together. They've really, really restored a relationship that was broken. And it's just amazing for me to see that you can still have so much success even during a time when you're grieving things and there's a lot of ups and downs to life. So I don't want anyone to be discouraged, but I want all of us to pay close attention to our marriages in times like this when it might be tempting to just hop right into survival mode because this is exactly when you guys need each other. So first I'm going to talk a little bit about marriage and how you need to keep it revitalized briefly. I want you to know that when people have affairs, it's often but not always, because the marriage has lost its battery charge. It's really depleted and people are not getting their needs met as much because marriage takes a backseat sometimes in the busy child rearing years and it becomes more of a monotony. If you've seen This Is Us, which I've mentioned, I like the show. I think Jack and Rebecca do a great job of showing all the ups and downs of marriages. And recently I had somebody ask me if they were normal 
that they had a period of time where they're thinking, hey, I'm raising the kids in the really little kid years. Is it normal that our marriage is crazy? And I'm like, oh my gosh, like those little kid years are so hard and you're hanging on. You do have some amazing times, but there is some science there. The more support you have, the better it is. You know, the less dysfunction out and about in your world, the better it is. And the good news is, even if you have some of that pulling you from other angles and places, if you both decide to do your work and to say, let's take some ownership and some recharging power back into our relationship, we both want this, then you should be fine. But that's one of the reasons that things get depleted is because people have dysfunction outside of the marriage and they try to heal it. And I've talked to you about doing that myself before. We also have that sense of, okay, there's the monotony. So we have this feeling of, I'm just in a season where my goals are met, my dreams are set, and I'm raising kids, but it's not about me anymore. And it's frankly not as exciting. Now, there have been studies that are overgeneralized why people have affairs, and you have to watch out for those too. In fact, I found one recently, Why Do People Cheat? And it's a great article identifying eight motivating factors. But if you look carefully, This was done on mainly young people, and it's a really great article because it tells us all these factors, and I'll read them to you in a moment, on what leads people to cheat. But when you really look at the fine details, it tells you that a lot of these people are very young who took their study. So I want to let you know there's even seasons of life and different reasons for different seasons. So take this as a younger person's reason for cheating, as well as take it into account from what I just said, that there are those overarching season reasons reasons I just told you. Oh my gosh, I have to stop rhyming. But you get my point. It's not that everybody cheats for the same reason. And this article says that it's anger when you're seeking revenge for somebody else's betrayal. I've seen that before. Sexual desire when you're not feeling like your partner is as sexual as you would like them to be and you're not as satisfied and you want something new feeling a lack of love or passion or interest, that feeling of falling out of love. Another reason for cheating is neglect when you don't feel you've received enough love, respect, and attention. Low commitment when you're just not as committed to the other partner. Situational includes scenarios outside of your normal, being intoxicated or on vacation or under high stress, like I said, COVID times. Self-esteem when you're looking to increase your self-worth. And variety when you're just thinking, I want to have more variety. And I think you can do this by now as you've been listening to this podcast where you could say, oh, anger, I know that's the people in the anger triad. And you could say, variety, those are the people who are sensation seekers and they want just all kinds of experiences. And you could say, neglect, these are the people who are withdrawing. And self-esteem, these are the people who don't have much self-worth. So we can kind of pinpoint feelings triad and head triad triad and we can pinpoint anger triad people. So we can do our work where we're really noticing some Enneagram trends too. But I also want you to know there's fluidity here. And I was pointing out to you, yes, this was published in the Journal of Sex Research and it was a college-led study, but that's important to note. These were 562 adults surveyed, but many of them, and you know this is true about a lot of the research done by the colleges who have the university funding that these people are young. So the good news is I've been doing some research too. And over at Enneagram and Marriage, I don't have just 18 year olds. My sample size is anywhere from the early 20s to the late 60s. And it's hovering around in the middle of that. And we're finding that we are seeing a lot more people giving us similar reasons. So I don't want you to think that it's not that all of these could be possible. I just want you to understand sometimes it's not as likely, for instance, 
patience for somebody to say, I'm on vacation and I'm cheating and I'm 45, as it would be for that same experience to happen to somebody who was eight, you know, that 18 to 24 year gap where you're at college and you're on spring break. So you've got to keep all that into account. I don't want you worrying. And I want to tell you another reason people sometimes cheat is that self-sabotaging feeling from their partner who's saying to them all the time, can I check on you? Can I check your phone? I'm worried about you. I think you're going to cheat. And I've actually had people tell me many times over the years, yeah, this encouraged me to cheat. But people cheat for so many different reasons. Some of them, it's because of stonewalling. Others, it's not just the reasons we listed. It's because they feel their partner has gotten very fake over the years, or they've been completely cut off from sex. Not just that they don't get variety, but they've been completely cut off. So I want you to understand that whenever you go to an extreme with your partner where you say, I'm going to stop listening to you about what we do with our money, or I'm going to not have sex with you anymore, or I'm going to not care what you say about my parents because they're my parents and I'll do whatever I want with them. Whenever you stop leaning in, listening, caring, these are the kinds of things that are going to drain that cell phone battery in a marriage and make you not be able to pull out your big apps together. You're not going to be able to have fun. You're not going to be able to do those gaming apps. You're not going to be able to do well at social media together. It could be very fake. It could be very tired. It could be very paranoid. You're not going to be able to literally, it's not just phone apps. It's true. Sometimes it is phone stuff where you're like, gosh, we just don't have, even that's not even sync. But in real life, you're not dating. You're not having as much intimacy. You're not getting along in your money area. Your communication sucks. It's like all these things are really happening to you and you're noticing it all and you're taking it in. But sometimes it's hard to get out of the tunnel even when you can see it happening. It really is. So I want you to understand all of this before you just blame somebody for cheating, before you just say, oh my gosh, like they're the worst person in the world. I would never cheat. And I don't mean that you would. Some of you really never would. I've come to learn this too, that even some of you who have had spouses cheat on you have really more reason we would think as a society to cheat than others. And you're just like, nope, that's not me at all. I don't care how many times I've been cheated. That is just not me. And I love that. So I don't want to generalize that people who are cheated on, like that first one said, the anger of being betrayed. Not everybody takes that and says, I'm doing it too. A lot of people are wise and say, no, I would never get involved in that. That's so unhealthy. So I really want you to know, A, please don't just look at it as there's no story to this marriage and there's no backstory to why the cheating happened. And B, don't assume that just because somebody cheated on them that they're going to do it to somebody else. So those are some really important reminders for you as we're digging in here that here's some good reasons for it, but you don't have to do what research tells you. You don't have to worry. You don't have to be plagued by your own aspects of, now I have to get back at my partner. You can do whatever you need to do in life to be healthy in your marriage, even if your spouse isn't perfect. So we're going to talk about in light of knowing, wow, there's so many ways that people can cheat and so many reasons for them to cheat. What can I do? I hope your mind is actually already rolling with some ideas of what you can do because we've already said a lot now. I've listed so many things that you can be working on already from this episode. And yet, if you just worry about what if and I better prepare and I better prevent, then you miss out on the experience of life yourself and you spend time worried too much. So it is a true balance for you to be able to say, I'm mindful of these things and I work on them, but ultimately my spouse is going to have to decide whether they're with me faithfully or not. 
And John Gottman calls those turning towards behaviors. He also talks about it in terms of attunement. And we've talked a little bit about attunement from attachment philosophy on this podcast, but I'm going to give you John Gottman's discussion about attunement as well. He gives a great example, and I'll share the article he gives it in, when he talks about his wife saying she wanted his attention, she's sad, and she's wanting to process something before bed. And he's thinking he really wants to finish his book. He's really excited about his book. It's the very best part. But because he knows that she's really in need, he turns toward her and says, hey, baby, what's wrong? And that's such a great way to build the trust. And there are so many longitudinal studies that he and others have done on marriage. And I trust his studies even more because he does study people of all ages where he says there are some really strong reasons why we can actually look at people who are a little older and say, gosh, guys, they're cheating for some of the same reasons. And so when we really attune and we really bring that trust back in, not only do we have less cheating, but we actually have healthier people and men actually stay alive longer because men's mortality rates are even connected to all of this as well. And there's a complexity to it, but there's actually evidence that the bonding experience of having an orgasm with somebody secreting oxytocin is a trust hormone and it's very powerful. It suspends fear and it doesn't have quite the protective layers for men as it does for women, but it truly blesses your marriage because you guys get healthier together and men have to work on things in a little bit of a different way too. It doesn't protect men as much as women because they're also trying to ward off rivals, but it's really important that you guys build the trust together either way because that's going to make you both have a better sexual life. It's going to make you both have a better life outside of sex so that you guys have a better chance to make it as a family and culture. And we've talked about this before, so I won't belabor it, but When you have affairs, and some of you have walked through this with yourselves or others, so you know this, it's hard on a family. It's beyond hard on a family, and it's a lifelong process. So you really want to try to avoid it, even sometimes if you can, if an affair has already taken place and you really try to patch it up because a lot of times you can and you can have a resurrected marriage and you can really do a great job with it even though, and sometimes people say, gosh, our marriage is so much better afterwards because we just, it became alive. We worked on it. It was no longer this dead body, this lifeless, like I said, non-usable battery. It was really full of charge and goodness. So I'm totally encouraging you if you've walked through this and you're getting back up that you can do it. But either way, if you're building trust and attuning to one another's needs, your chances for an affair go down. If you're having the regular sex, you're orgasming, you're really trying to help each other to have fun sexually. This is going to help you guys and it's going to create a longitudinal study for you guys. So you can say what happened to our lives over the years, but your attunement is really how Gottman and his wife have lined it up. And one of Gottman's graduate students has also really done a great job of making an acronym for attunement with all of the letters. And the first letter is A, of course, awareness of your partner's emotion, T, turning towards the emotion, T, tolerance of two different viewpoints, you understanding your partner, and non-defensive responses to your partner, and E, responding with empathy. When you can do that, you do a great job. On the other hand, the cheater's cascade 
looks like first secret keeping. The next step is building up emotional walls with your spouse and choosing to confide in a person outside of your marriage instead. After finding the person to confide in, the next part of the cascade is that the potential cheater begins to trash their partner in the relationship to them. Then whether warranted or not, the potential cheater considers their partner untrustworthy. And finally, he or she is primed for a sexual relationship outside of their marriage. So you can see how if we're going to prevent affairs, not only do we want to be aware of what are the trends out there, be aware of what are the youthful trends and what are the trends in marriages that have been around a little longer. Next, we want to make sure that we are looking at the trust and attuning. And I think that's also equally important that we look at the cheaters cascade and say, okay, now where could I be really at risk? And think about your work relationships, your relationships at church with family friends. Think about relationships with people who you consider your closest friends if they're attractive to you and what you can do about this because the first step is the secret keeping. And I think that's important to look at so that you know if I'm keeping a secret, I'm taking a step away from my spouse and it's a dangerous step towards somebody else. It's such a science and a lot of times I have to help people to see this because they're like, oh, my spouse has a best friend. For some reason, they're not with me in my marriage anymore that much, but they're doing great but not with me. And it's like, all right, I can already see the building blocks for this affair happening. And typically they're farther along that cascade than they're willing to admit or look at. And sometimes you might even have a feeling for it unconsciously, but you're scared. So it's always good when people reach out to me right there so we can walk through that shrewdly and sharply in a good way together so we can help just get to the bottom of it. Like what's going on? We can address it head on. And honestly, typically when we do that and when we have that breakthrough session where I say it really looks and feels to me like they're is something happening, they usually come back the next session afterwards and say, yep, actually they are. And I'm so glad that I know now and I'm grieving and they do their work and they do a good job, but it is helpful to know if your spouse is secret keeping and you've been kind of not looking at that look at it closely. That's not cool. I don't want you to do that self-fulfilling prophecy thing where you're making something where it isn't. You can do some boundary setting and say, wow, I heard a podcast and I think we need a conversation about boundary setting. And I really do think you need that conversation sometimes, but I don't think you need to be accusing. You just, if you're pretty sure that they are having one, but you haven't faced it, that's what I'm talking about here where you're like, okay, this is the writing is on the wall. The cheater's cascade is not just that secret keeping. It's the walls are up between us. It's I think they really confide in that person. They hide their phone, they move it around. And they also have told me that they don't trust me. And I think that's so interesting because the person having the affair doesn't trust the other partner with their emotions. So that's why I always tell people there is a backstory to this. It didn't just start with the cheating partner really being a jerk. And sometimes we say, gosh, but that isn't ethical and that's not moral and that's not a trustworthy person who would do that. But I do want you to understand there's usually a backstory. And then we can also make the value judgment that it's not a helpful behavior in society. You've made vows to your spouse that you really do not want to break. And we know that that's wrong. And so I think that in every culture, as much as we're not trying to judge people, we are saying there really isn't a culture outside of anything in the general norm of the population that says that cheating is right. And we do know about marriages that have invited in third parties. And I've seen a lot of heartache from that. I haven't really seen that done well. And I think that that's probably a testimony that marriage works best when it's two people. And I know there are probably people who would say, oh, I've heard testimonies of people where that does really work well. But as far as really trusting another person, I don't think it does. I think maybe only in the animal sense of sex drive does it work 
well in quotes there. But I think that in the sense of really trusting another person, when you give yourself over to another person sexually, that's really trust versus my spouse has a variety of partners. There's just not the same sense, even in animals up to people. So if we're thinking, yeah, but animals, it's like, yeah, but a lot of times, even the rats in the experiments, if you read the article that I'm sharing on this week's podcast notes, the, the rats are even feeling aggression toward other potential suitors. So I really do think that most people want to be admitted or not. They really would love at the root of it to just have the one partner. So remember about that cheater's cascade to avoid it in your own life. And if it's really happening in your partner's life to address it, and then if needed to do some boundary setting around that, if you're thinking, oh my gosh, we kind of just took the first steps in that cheater's cascade, or I see myself in it. So I've got to back it up. That's a great thing to back it up. It is not going to get you any farther in your life. If you take that where it's going, it's just not going to bless you. And I'm a thinker. So I've thought that through with a lot of different people and I've never seen it diced really well. So I really want you to understand that it's going to cost a lot more for you to not back it up. So the longer you wait, the more complex it's going to get. There could be other children that become part of this whole mix up. And it's really nice to be able to say, wow, we're catching this. This isn't great that we let it get this far, but we are catching it and we are moving back into a place of health together. Wow, that's great. But I also want to let you know, even outside of the research that I read in the Gottman research about secret keeping and trust, I want you to know I've seen cheating happen in other places and ways. Just one more place I can think of when you're not secret keeping, but you're just enjoying a friendship a little too much. You're thinking, okay, our Enneagram types really line up and this is a type that I've really connected with and I seemed maybe it's my type or a close type or a type I've always been infatuated with or fascinated by and it's so different from my own spouse this is a place where you can get into trouble too and I want you to start remembering this is a funny little secret you don't normally do this with the Enneagram but I want you to start in this case actually focusing in on the negatives of that person's type I want you to say okay, so we're not secret keeping, but I'm fantasizing about this person and or this type of person. And I really need to back it up and remember what are the traits about them that I don't like, that I really think would be difficult. And I want you to take it down all the way down that list of unhealthy qualities instead of being like, oh, let's look at the top qualities. I want you to just go to the Enneagram Institute, go down to that bottom rung and think about that person in that place. And I guarantee you, you'll be like, ew, I don't want anything to do with that person. And I would normally never say that about anybody guys so trust me when I say I'm doing this out of love and I do love that person but I want you to have a healthy marriage so I don't want you thinking about them like that I want you to be real because we spend time in our places of stress and if that's not enough I want you to look at their type in stress and then I want you to look at the bottom rung of their type in stress as well. So wow, that's really two different places you can look. And then you will probably find yourself thinking, oh my gosh, my spouse is actually better than I thought. And look at your spouse, of course, in the places of when they're average or upper levels, because you already know your spouse's places of stress. We don't need to remind you of that right now when you're tempted with an affair. If you really want to end your marriage, end your marriage. Don't have an affair. I mean that. Like, Give your spouse the respect to not be with them without bringing a third party in. And why I say that, because you know I have a heart for marriage and I don't want divorces, but why I say that is there's complexities. You bring a third party in, there's all of a sudden this instability to the family. So the spouse really does deserve your honest opinion if you say, look, I'm not married to you or I don't want to be married to you. 
and I would really like to get in a relationship with somebody else and I'm not in one, they can respect you more for that. They won't like it. They may say, gosh, I'm shocked and this is awful news and is there anything we can do? And I hope you'll give them a chance if there is even a little bit of hope. I think we can definitely blow some embers and build a beautiful fire. I've seen it happen so many times and been so blessed to be a part of it so many times, but I really don't want you to just do this behind their back. It really doesn't make any sense to invite in a third party because people are never an exact science. And I've mentioned many times on this podcast, that's why I love studying them. But I also have to tell you, people have some severity in mental health disorders, so you don't want to play with fire. And you're going to get burned if you do anyway in some way or another. So I really want you to pay attention to the unpredictability of humans and how toxic it can be to allow this person into your life. Right now, they seem so glamorous and they seem so healthy and vibrant and seductive and their pheromones are just oh my gosh, they're just on fire. But the truth is, this is a really complex system already. Marriage always is. And especially when you have children, it's even more complex. So I really want you to make sure that you protect your tribe at all costs. These are your people. Those people are not your people. These people under your roof, whether it's your spouse or your spouse and kids, these are your people and your responsibility. So I really want you to honor them, steward them. And then of course, I want you to remember, even if you have that sort of ugly duckling marriage where you're like, ew, we're like in a bad season of life and it's difficult, like I said, the little kid years, or maybe it's the empty nest years and you haven't found your groove yet. I want you to remember those swan couples where they make it and they start looking at each other, like I said, at their best and saying, oh my gosh if they were late. The reason for that is because they're such hard workers. And you know that even if they work with people of the opposite sex, that they're not going to glamorize them or fantasize about them because they're too busy kicking butt on their goals. They're too busy living life with you, making great plans, doing healthy marriage routines. They're too busy having intimacy with you. They're too busy living life and pouring into the world with their gifts with you. These are the kinds of things I want you guys to spend your time doing. And that's so much healthier and better anyway. So this is how to prevent affairs. And I want you to grab my freebie at anygramandmarriage.com where you can find all the review of various ways that you can prevent affairs. And I also want you to head over to reflectionscc.com. Either place is great because you're going to get on my email list. You're going to get every Monday ways to feed your marriage, these podcast episodes. And then next time you're even going to be getting a great addendum to this conversation, which is how to heal once it's happened. And even if you haven't had an affair, I'm going to be talking about how to heal with other issues that have hurt you deeply with trust. So that's really important too. But today, remember that I really don't want you to sabotage. I really want you to give your marriage a refreshment. If you need a book to work on, I have two workbooks, Relate and Release for my marriage program. I love people to use them. I've worked so hard on these books to make them just like marriage coaching, even if you don't work with me. And I know my cart's not open right now. So they're fantastic books at Amazon. And I feel like I can say that because I've tried to gather the best marriage research from all over. I absolutely know it takes community to do that. So I feel good about saying These are great places to start, and I really want you to make sure that you remember the cryptic verses in Proverbs about affairs. It's not going to bless you. It's going to take you down a dark alley that you don't want to go. And last but not least, I want you to be confident. I want you to be confident in who you are. There's nothing more attractive than a confident spouse who knows who they are and who knows that God made them well and who is able to say, I have tons of goals and dreams and I love this family with my everything and I love you and I'm willing to give my partner grace and love. And I know this, it's not just a feeling. I know that when a spouse has somebody like that 
in their corner, even if they have those things come up, those lists I read of things and reasons why they want to cheat, most of the time they don't. Most of the time they're like, okay, I know they're not always perfect. Most of the time I know that I would like more variety or I would like to have more space or privacy to myself, whatever it is. Love covers a multitude of sins. So please remember that and continue to show love and not just love to others, but love to yourself. That confidence is beautiful. And when it's outpouring and then pouring back in to refresh you, it's not intoxicating isn't the right word, but it's more of the, okay, that intoxicating scent is lingering and and that's dangerous and that's fun, but that's sin and it makes you sad and it doesn't lead to good. But this is captivating. It's a beautiful and well-tended garden. It's lush, it's rich, it's got variety, it's a marriage that is thriving. It's taking care of the weeds as they come in and it's not letting that poison ivy sink in. It's saying, I see the poison ivy. I'm clipping it out. I didn't even realize it, but there it is growing and I got a rash. And and like I've said before, my husband actually works with people who get rashes from STDs. So guys, stay out of the poison ivy and I will talk to you soon. And I hope you have such a great week. Head on over to enneagramandmarriage.com or reflectioncc.com. I will take care of you so that you can have the important conversations and have a great week.